Warning. Descriptions in this podcast can be graphic in nature. So listen at your own risk. Welcome to the Battle After the Badge podcast with your host, Steve Cartmel. Steve is a retired police officer who's worked 32 years with the Lawrence County Sheriff's Office in Southern Ohio. Steve wants to share his stories and information about his personal experiences and how they affected him and how he learned to deal with these issues. Now, let's hear about his battle after the badge. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the battle after the badge. So in today's episode, it's going to be a little bit different. We're going to talk about a couple scenarios that I've handled and the questions that almost every police officer has probably been asked. The first question is, hey, have you ever shot anybody? And the second question is, have you ever been shot at? So to answer that, no, I've never had to shoot anybody. I was very fortunate enough during my career that I never had to pull the trigger to shoot anyone or shoot at anyone. Um, I have been in many situations where I've come real close. And one of those situations we may discuss at another podcast. The second answer is, yes, I have been shot at uh, two times. And we'll talk about these now. So in the first scenario, I was a young police officer and I was working in the corrections or the jail department and was working day shift at the time. We had just returned from court and I had another officer by the name of Deputy Greg Scarlatti with me and we were running some errands for the clerks. So while we were out in a patrol car, the Huntington Police Department calls our office and advises them there's a man on the 31st Street Bridge who they believe is going to jump off and into the Ohio River. The bridge, this bridge, connects Proctorville, Ohio and Huntington, West Virginia. So I asked dispatch, do you want us to respond and, and assist, which they confirmed. So Greg and I are en route when we were advised that the male subject had a bicycle and was walking towards Proctorville along the bridge, and that one of the Huntington police officers were following him. So we are close to arriving, and dispatch advises uh, that their officer, Huntington's officer, is out with the male subject in the middle of the intersection, right there at Route 7, and the entrance to the on-ramp of the bridge. There's a McDonald's there. There's a gas station there. It's right in the middle of the intersection. So they advise us that they have the male subject in the back of their patrol car, and he has a gun, and they believe that he has fired a shot in their patrol car. So we arrive with several other officers, and we speak to the Huntington officer, who states that he confronted the male because he was out in the middle of the intersection and almost got hit by a car. And as he was patting him down, the male subject pulled a gun from his waist and the officer just shoved him in the back of his patrol car. This officer stated that he was an older male and he heard what he thought was a gunshot 
and he thought he was trying to get out of the patrol vehicle. So the Huntington officer also advised it looked like that the male was taking or ingesting something um, from some type of object. So we sit there and we observed the older male and could hear him screaming inside the vehicle for us to let him out. He then took the butt end of the gun and was pounding on the protective glass or the cage that separates the front uh, from the back seat. This pounding sounded like he was firing uh, or shooting the gun inside the vehicle. We continued to observe the male and uh, noticed his actions were slowing, possibly from what he could have been ingesting. So Jim Howard, who at the time was our chief deputy, and Jerry Wagner, who was part of the drug task force, arrives, and uh, Jimmy was advised of the situation. So Chief Howard comes up with this plan based on this man's slowed response that we were going to distract the mail on one side of the patrol vehicle while he and I went to the other side and can open up the door and pull him out while he was being distracted. So we all got into position, and uh, Jerry was on one side, and, and Jimmy and I were on the other. Jerry had went and opened up the back rear car door opposite of where we were before we gave him the signal. And I told Jimmy that we had to go. So I was in front of Jimmy, and the male subject did turn his attention to the side Jerry had opened the door from and pointed the gun. When I opened up the door on the side that the male subject was sitting, the male had enough time to react and then turn the gun back towards me. I had just grabbed a hold of the male's shoulder, and Chief Howard chopped at the man's arm just at the time that he turned the gun towards me and fired a shot. This action made his arm go downward. The male tried to fire another shot, but I was able to grab the top of the gun where the slide was and the gun jammed. We were then able to pull the gun um, away from the male subject and uh, remove him from the patrol car. So we arrested the male and secured the weapon. We found one spent casing and the bullet in the floorboard of the patrol car, but we didn't locate any place that the bullet had hit. So Greg and I take this gentleman or this guy to the hospital uh, in Ironton to make sure that he was okay physically and from what we thought uh, was medication that he was ingesting. When the male removed his clothing to be examined by the doctor uh, and sat on the bed, we noticed that blood squirted out both sides of his knee, of his left knee. Um, the doctor advised it appeared that the shot that he fired um, when his hand went down had struck himself in the knee and went all the way through and out. So the male subject was found to be okay, and we then took him to jail. So while we're at the hospital... I called my mother just to let her know that I was fine because I knew she'd be watching the news and the news was there filming and I didn't want her to freak out thinking the worst had happened. Soon after the news aired, the incident, and it showed me reaching in for the mail and the gun being fired, the camera kicked off and it didn't show me being okay. So my mother freaked out thinking I was hurt and my phone blew up with her calling. 
So I had to reassure her that I was not hit, that the man had shot himself, and that we were just at the hospital just to get him looked at. So that's scenario one. The second scenario involves a uh, male subject and his girlfriend. So during this next scenario, I'm now a road patrol sergeant. And we were sent to an incident of a domestic situation uh, involving a girl who had complained that her mother was being held hostage by the mother's boyfriend um, and that he had a 357 Magnum gun doing so. So while we're en route, um, I meet up with Deputy Wes Collins and we both go to the scene. Shortly after we get there, we uh, make contact with the daughter, and soon after that, uh, Sergeant Randy Goodall arrives, and we try to have the boyfriend to let it, the girlfriend go. So we're trying to talk to him through the doors. No response, nothing. So we check the doors just to make sure that they're not unlocked, and then we... Uh, then check the house to see if there's any other access points for possible entry, but we find nothing. So we continue to talk to the subject, trying to convince him to let the girlfriend go. And he's not responding. You know, we're screaming through the door uh, or through the house from the outside, and he's not responding whatsoever. So several minutes go by. And a female comes running out the side door where Deputy Collins and myself are positioned. So we get the female, get her to safety, and we find out that this is indeed the uh, girlfriend of the male subject who's still inside. So we send her over to Sergeant Goodall, and he speaks to her for several minutes. And about that time, Deputy Jim Howard arrives as a negotiator. Uh, we then find out that the female had escaped the house when the male had went to the restroom and that she did confirm that the male did have a 357 Magnum revolver and stated he was not going to jail. So shortly after that, Jimmy's trying to make contact with the male when we hear noises coming from the backside of the house. There's a light on in the distance of the backyard. So there's a backyard a large backyard uh, behind the house, and then it goes to a barn, and then behind the barn is a wooded area, a hillside. So we hear this movement coming from the rear of the house, and in the silhouette of the light, I can see somebody crawling on the ground, and we see that it's a male subject or a male figure. So we confronted the male and advising to stop, the male stands up and positions himself behind this tree uh, that's close by. So I tell Wes, you know, watch yourself. So I see the male step out from behind the tree and his arm coming forward towards us. Right after that, we hear this whizzing go by our heads, and you can see the muzzle blast coming from the gun right at us. The male then takes off, and he starts running across the yard. So he's running across this yard, and it's about a football field length from the back of the house to the uh, barn out back. But like I said, it is all lit up 
by this light that's attached to the garage. Well, he makes it to the wooded area before we do, before we can catch him, and we lose sight of him. Now we think, hey, we need to back up because we are sitting ducks because we're out in the lit area of the field. So we back off, regroup, and go back up to the house. And we just say, hey, it's not worth it right now. We'll get him later. So come two days later, this male subject is found, and I believe it was by uh, Deputy Jerry Elliott. Uh, he was found by Jerry, and Jerry ends up arresting him. Um, this male subject is prosecuted, and he is sent to prison for four years. He does less than two years, and he gets out. So, you know, I joked with Wes after this incident, just talking to him, because I saw that, that he was uh, kind of upset or visibly upset about this. So I asked him if he was okay, and he advised me that he was. And uh, and I asked him if that was the first time he'd ever been shot at, which he advised that it was. And he asked me if it was my first time, and I advised, no, it was my second time. And then he asked me, does it get any easier? And I was like, well, no, it doesn't get any easier. I just got shot at, you know. Uh, but I joke around with him all the time about that that question and everything, and um, we make light of it. But there you have it. Um, I just thank the Lord that he's blessed me all these years um, and protected me so that nothing uh, bad would ever happen like that incident. So um, I'm going to run something by you guys real quick. There is a group called the First Responders Bridge, and I believe I've talked about them before. But I wanted to give a shout out to these guys as they take in and they offer this retreat for active first responders and retired first responders who are battling PTSD. I am very fortunate enough that in August I get to go to their next retreat and I'm, I'm, I'm excited about going. But you can look them up on the firstrespondersbridge.org. And they also have a web or a uh, podcast called the First Responders Bridge, the podcast. And I've been listening to the podcast, and it has a lot of the speakers that's going to be at the retreat. And uh, these guys are great. And the podcast is great. Uh, so give them a, a look at and give them a listen. Listen to these guys. And if you want to donate to these guys to help future uh retreats to help the first responders, man, they can help you and they can guide you on how to donate. So with that being said, this is going to end this podcast. I appreciate you guys listening. It means the world to me. And our next podcast, I'm hoping to have a, a guest join me and we're going to talk about some boat patrol and actually probably pulling some bodies out of the water. So just stay tuned to that. It's going to be a good one. So with that being said, I hope you guys have a blessed day and a blessed week, and we'll see you in the next time. Thanks for listening to The Battle After the Batch.